This is the Star Coach Show with Meg Rentschler, episode 236. We have procedures for everything that we do. We really do in, mm-hmm. in, in like sort of in our 2D life, right? Mm-hmm. But but when it comes to our emotions, we don't because we think that somehow that's not okay. Like I shouldn't. And, and honestly, for a lot of empaths, they don't even know what they feel. They don't even right. know they're feeling. They just think this person's a horrible person. I need to get away from them. So you have to pay attention to what is it that I'm thinking when I'm with her that makes me feel this way? And then who do I want to be instead of just absorbing it and just dealing with it? And like, oh, well, I guess I just have to deal with Rhonda or Joyce or Janet in the break room. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, Take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello and welcome to the show. It is always a joy to have you here. I'm your host, Meg Rentschler, executive and mentor coach, and I'm actually recording this intro in a hotel room in Lubbock, Texas, where I have come to see my youngest child get his graduation ceremony from Texas Tech University. He actually graduated last May, right in the depths of COVID. So the university is offering those students a chance to walk the stage a year later. And I'm super excited to be here. I'm also very hopeful that we don't get a knock from housekeeping or hear doors slam in the hallway because, you know, things like that just happen in hotels. Let's go with it and introduce the show for you today. You know, today we're really focused on the intersection between feelings and leadership. And while maybe schools of thought would be, let's separate those, let's stay focused on the business of the business, the reality is we are all human beings with depths of emotion. And actually, our show today is going to be talking about those leaders that are empaths, that are just, they feel feelings so deeply. We actually originally sort of talked about empathy, but it really moved into empaths themselves. My guest today is Chris Platchy. Chris is the thought leader and expert for entrepreneurial management. You will hear in her interview her incredible journey that all the things that she has done, the books that she's written, she's really poured her life's work into learning about, understanding, and then guiding leaders through that tricky path of learning how do I lead a team and how do I honor my emotions in that. Chris started her career in a corporate startup culture, which I have also been in a corporate startup, and that is a challenging situation. And then she was, she just kind of continued that path upward as she was recognized as a top performing leader year after year. She has this knack for creating teams that really stick together. And when we were talking about all the different things that she could share on the show today, we really 
wanted to dive into the concept of leaders who feel they're feeling so strongly that they need to actually create some boundaries around that. And we're going to get into depth in that in the interview. So I would encourage you to listen to this interview, both through the lens of how much does this fit for me in the way that I engage with people, the way that I feel feelings, as well as learning some tips and strategies that you could potentially use with your clients who might be empaths as well. So let's go to my interview with Chris Platchy. Chris, welcome to the Star Coach Show. It's delightful to be here with you today. I'm thrilled to be here also. Thank you. Absolutely. So you do such important work. As a matter of fact, audience, when we did our pre-interview, Chris has so many different things that she does. It took us a while to figure out what's the thing we really want to zero in on for you. And I think that talking about the empathetic CEO, talking about what each one of us needs to think about through that lens is going to be super important. But I'd like to start with a little bit about what your evolution has been and the journey that you've walked to do the work that you do now. So I was in sales and I really loved working in sales, but what I didn't love was the actual like pressure part (laughs) of having to meet goals. What I loved was meeting with people, talking to them. And and I was recruiting older adults to go to school. That was my job. And I was 23 and I worked with these older women. All my team were these sort of older, amazing sales ladies, like well-accomplished, successful people. And one of them said to me, hey, there's this thing at the learning annex at UC Berkeley on professional coaching. Do you want to go with me? This was in 1994 or five. This was a long okay. time. And ago. you were kind of a baby then. I, I mean, was 23. I was yeah. 20, yeah. I was just out of college. And I was like, all right. So we went and it was, it was conducted by this guy named Rich Fetke. And I was hooked. I'm like, wait a minute. This is a thing. This is like a job. And this guy, I ended up hiring him. And um, because he told us about how he was making $25,000 a month, right, as a life coach. And I just (laughs) couldn't stand it. (laughs) So that began um, a trajectory for me. I started taking a lot of coaching classes. I took coaches through New Horizons, West. I think I took classes through Coach U, Coaches Training Institute. I just dabbled for Mm -hmm. years. And then fast forward, I was in a leadership role and I ended up finding or seeing an ad in the Sacramento magazine in about, I think it was 2005, 2006. And it was a one day workshop with Brooke Castillo called, if I'm so smart, why can't I lose weight? And I was like, well, that's me. So I went to this workshop Mm -hmm. and this was before nobody, nobody knew who Brooke was. This was, I paid a hundred dollars for it. I think it was ridiculous. Right. So Mm -hmm. I went and it like, made my whole brain explode as she does for most of us. And so, but what I, what happened is I realized everything she had taught me about the thought processes, the limiting beliefs, all the things that were affecting my health Mm -hmm. were affecting how managers were managing. And at the time I had about nine managers reporting to me. 
So I took what she taught me. I called her and I said, well, I actually ended up hiring her as my mm-hmm. coach. Let, I said, then let's just pause for a second because everybody listening might not know Brooke. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. so Brooke has a, a podcast on coaching, a life school podcast, correct? Yes, the Life Coach School. And she's yeah. the founder of the Life Coach School also. Right. Yeah. Right. So just as a little, if anybody's thinking who's Brooke Casilla, that's kind that's who Chris is talking about. So, so you hired Brooke and what happened next? I hired her. So then I basically, to make the very short, long story short, I took this content with her permission and I turned it, I complimented it with all of my leadership background because along this whole path, as I was, you know, dabbling in coaching, I was leading and managing people. Right. And so the, the end game was I created a whole curriculum and program. And then that ended up being something that the entire enterprise wanted. So I created a leadership performance and coaching team that was a nationwide team of coaches that coached and developed leaders. How exciting. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was, it was one of those, you know, it's like, how do you really, and this was get paid to do this. It was like a playground. Here's this huge company giving me all these resources to teach people that their mind is the reason why they're not getting results. A leadership coach's dream. It really was. And yeah. I, and it, and it didn't exist. So I'm sure for your coaches who are listening, who are also in a leadership coach space or work with corporate clients, you know, the, 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 <laughs> the HR resistance was strong. I bet. Say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was in the late 2000, like 2009, 10, 11, right? Okay. So we're in a such different place now. So I left that business. That company was an education, for-profit education, and it went through massive problems because of um, regulatory issues that affected the entire industry. So I left, um, I was paid to leave, which was lovely. About 4,000 of us were dismissed at the same time all the ancillary, what is coaching, right? That doesn't generate revenue, does it? <laughs> and then I started my business. So that was almost nine years ago. Mm-hmm. And I started as a leadership coach exclusively. So I was doing leadership training, development, and executive coaching for probably about the first six and a half years of my business. I had a lot of partnerships, clients, contracts, and then I wrote a book, wrote a few books, but I wrote a couple books about difficult people and how to coach them. Mm-hmm. And that led me to doing some really great work. I work, I presented for Microsoft several times in a row. I presented for PayPal, CVS was a client and I, and the difficult people work was a huge area that people need support with, which again, I'm sure many people know that. So as a matter of fact, we almost had that be our topic because we know that so many of you struggle with that. Yeah. And there, and there really are some tools that are available. And what was cool about that work is I ended up being for a couple of years, I really coached exclusively executives who were difficult. So the executive who was almost fired and sort of hated coaches, frankly, it was sort of fun to work with these people. They were pretty pretty tough clients. I learned a lot. So now I, I pivoted because I was working with so many, I had so much content that a lot of entrepreneurs were stumbling into my space, not with any intention of me, of mine, mm-hmm. but as you know, entrepreneurs really have very little 
support when it comes right. to how to lead and manage. I just discovered that I in love with them. And I've been doing women's leadership retreats for years in Hawaii. And I ran the women's leadership program and the company that I worked in. So it just was a natural fit for me to be working now exclusively with female entrepreneurs who really want to learn how to lead and manage the team. Excellent. What a beautiful yeah. journey. And the book that you wrote about working with difficult people. Why don't you share the title of that? Because I'm sure you whetted several people's appetites and they yeah, want I mean, some more resources on that. I will say too, they're not, they're not long books. I made them in the, in the guys in my brain, I called them a lookbook. So I hired this awesome graphic designer. So they're short, but they're, they're kind of like a desk reference guide. Like, oh gosh, Excellent. here comes Rhonda and she's a nightmare. What do I need to do? <laughs> scan and and prep for the session. Yeah. 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 So the first one I wrote is called the five truths for thinking about difficult people. And the second one I wrote is the, it's how to coach the difficult person in six steps. Excellent. Beautiful resources. You can find them both on Amazon. And we'll have links for those in the show notes for this episode. So that, so thank you for that. And so as you transitioned into what you're doing now and what lights you up, which is the question that I ask all my guests, what do you, what really lights you up and that you want to share? We entered into this, this evolution that you're journey has taken you and really getting into the concept of that we're all CEOs for our businesses. Mm -hmm. And how do we embrace that in a way that really represents who we are? Tell, Tell me a little bit about the concept of the empathetic CEO. Yeah. So we all know that there's empathy is a skill and it's an attribute. It's a trait. It's a, right. We have all the, it's a feeling. We have all the things. But in the world, there are actually a percentage of us that are act, are what we would call empaths, right? Mm-hmm. So I most functioning humans who do not have some sort of psychosis or yeah. <laughs> sociopath behavior. Some kind of a um, diagnosis, yes. Yeah, narcissists, you know. Most of us feel empathy for others when we see and witness their challenges. And empathy is a little different than sympathy. And it's best explained, honestly, by Brene Brown. If you Google Brene Brown's video on empathy and sympathy, it's powerful. It's very simplistic, but you know, empathy is basically, I can feel what you're feeling, but I don't have to attach to it. Mm-hmm. And sympathy is I see what you're feeling. And let, <laughs> this is my definition. And let me tell you, and then I'm going to make it about me. Right. Let me tell you my right. story about it. Mm-hmm. So, but empaths are people who actually feel what other people feel. And and in some cases, empaths think what other people think. They hear the thoughts of others. And one of the, I believe, problems that we have right now is that because empathy in the world of leadership development has been considered a soft skill, we dismiss even empath. And then the other thing is that the word empath has been kind of adopted a lot by the, you know, healing, spiritual, woo-woo community, right? Right. And that's fine. I don't dismiss that. It's just that then for, for, you know, I run a seven-figure business, like, but I'm an empath and I know that. Mm -hmm. And it's also, I mean, it's a superpower for me. It's how I have been recognized and have done a good job and found my place as a coach because I can really, really connect with what's going on with people. 
I love that part though, because it can be those things that we think, oh, that's so woo-woo. And is that going to turn people off that actually end up being our superpower if we embrace them and engage with them and allow them to, to play fully. It's so true because so many of the people that hire us, right. Don't feel seen. They don't feel heard and they don't even know, understand themselves very well. And so when you can tap into this empathic side of who you are and, and develop it, it's just a powerful skill, but you can't develop your empathy, your empathicness, I should say, if you are not developing boundaries with it, because the cautionary tale of an empath is someone who's depressed, social anxiety, tremendous anxiety exhausted energy drained all the time Mm -hmm. because when you don't know how to understand this beautiful beautiful skill of yours you allow everyone else's emotional noise to completely exhaust you it's huge energy drain yes so tell us about those boundaries and how we can do that healthily what I, the reason that this is that we talked about this, right. Is I recently wrote an article about it and I did a podcast about it. I was getting my own coaching. I have this amazing coach and we were talking about how I, so last fall I had to have some surgery. And when I came back from surgery, I, I think I had anesthesia brain. Like, I don't really know what's wrong with me, mm-hmm. but I just, I had three private clients that I was working with at the time. I told my coach, I felt really disconnected from them. And I don't normally feel that way. And Mm -hmm. it just was weird. And I, and she said, well, let's just talk about this because what if this is actually you evolving as an empath and learning that you don't have to like literally feel them in the way that you have Mm -hmm. to be successful and connect with them. And so then that just started me really thinking about, okay, this is so interesting because so many women hire me and come to my how to CEO program because they don't know how to hold that space as a leader, hold people accountable, mm-hmm. have difficult, difficult conversations, how to deal with people, you know, not doing what they ask them to do. And so I went to one of my how to CEO classes and I don't know, I had about 33 people there and I asked how many of you would call yourself an empath, not just empathic, but like, right. and 75% of the hands went up and I'm like, Oh, okay. That's interesting. So what are the boundaries? The boundaries are systems and procedures that we decide ahead of time. So I'm being very broad at first. Right. We decide ahead of time to have in place for particular emotional triggers, right? Mm-hmm. So if you work with someone who is incredibly toxic, for example, they come up to you and no matter what is going on, they need to tell you how it's horrible, right? Mm-hmm. For an empath, that's a gre- that's very exhausting because you have to work your own emotions and deal with theirs. Mm-hmm. So what we want to do is develop a procedure. And in my case, what I help my clients with is, is literally a phrase. Oh, it's nice to see you, Meg. I actually have to get to another meeting. It sounds so trite, but that's yeah. what we have to practice. Right. Because otherwise we feel mean, we feel guilty. We feel like we're not being a good human if we don't indulge all of their awfulness. Right. 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 How to escape. Yeah. So it creates a, and, and as you said, practicing it, getting comfortable with it, maybe giving yourself permission uh, to be able to throw up 
a a boundary. You a, just have a plan ahead of time. Yeah. It's like it's like if oh, if the brakes don't work, what do we do in the car? Right. Right. If 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 the if the stoplights aren't working at the at the corner, what what does everybody do? Oh, we just stop anyway, right? Like mm-hmm. we have procedures for everything that we do. We really mm-hmm. do in, mm-hmm. in in like sort of in our 2D life, right? Mm-hmm. But but when it comes to our emotions, we don't because we think that somehow that's not okay. Like I shouldn't. And, and honestly, for a lot of empaths, they don't even know what they feel. They don't even right. know they're feeling. They just think this person's a horrible person. I need to get away from them. So you have to pay attention to what is it that I'm thinking when I'm with her that makes me feel this way? And then who do I want to be instead of just absorbing it and just dealing with it? And like, oh, well, I guess I just have to deal with Rhonda or Joyce or Janet in the break room because without realizing that we're giving that person a whole lot of power over us, our emotions, our energy, when Mm -hmm. we think we just have to kind of suck it up. Yeah. And what I think what has happened, I, you know, I've, I'm in, in, in my early stages of really studying this empathic work, but what I'm noticing in a lot of the writing is it, which goes against my belief system, which is that, oh, you're very sensitive. You, you know, you need to create a world that protects you. Like, no, you're, you're, you have a amazing skill. Like mm-hmm. we're not going to, we're going to lean in to that. But, oh, by the way, we're going to learn how to understand ourselves so much better mm-hmm. so that we can be more successful. We can really use this superpower and not diminish ourselves. I have a lot of people who say, I'm too, I'm just too sensitive to be a good leader. And you, know. you say, no, absolutely. You, we not. can do this. We just need to give you the armor. We need to yeah. give you the, the toolbox to be able to walk into that and honor what's those special pieces of you and create boundaries where that energy is going to get sucked away. Yeah. And you're not, you're not being in the, you're not dismissing your superpowerness. You're not saying, oh, this is a bad part of me. Right. Mm-hmm. When I used to do this exercise in my difficult people workshops, I used to draw a, a stick figure mm-hmm. and I would draw a stick figure with arms and legs and I'm, I'm a terrible artist. So that's as good as it got. Right. But what people tend to believe is oh, this difficult person, I have to become a new person to deal with them, which means I have to chop off part of who I am to make it work. And my point is, no, we're going to actually, and so then I would draw more arms. Uh-huh. And it's such a, but you know, if you're a Star Wars fan, you know, General Grievous, he has four arms. And so he has four lightsabers, right? <laughs> and that's what I want empaths to realize. Like, no, 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 we're keeping this. And then we're just going to add to it. So then you get to keep that because uh, if you're a sensitive leader, you're actually who we need right now. We're done with this other way of leading and managing. That's it's, it is dying before our very eyes. We see that happening and it will be painful, but the world is ready. Mm -hmm. So then we need to help empower those people who have another way to lead in accepting that in feeling empowered and many, many limbed to be able to embrace that. So what else do we need to know about the concept of boundaries? Or are we ready to move into another aspect? Well, I think I think what I like to think about is 
What I'd like to think about is what do leaders most need to know and what as a coach can I do to help them know it? And if, especially if I recognize in my world, a lot of the people I'm coaching are women, are entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs are by nature, tend to be more empathic because they build something in the world for a need that they see, right? And so it doesn't mean that it all of them are, and it doesn't actually even mean you're not a good entrepreneur if you're not like in this empathic space. But the areas that I know they need to have is they need to have what I call a leadership operating system. And this is part of what I teach in how to CEO and what I teach my coaches that train with me. And then they need to understand and have the capacity for what I call adversity resilience, that there will always be things that are hard, difficult Mm -hmm. people, change, oh, I don't know, pandemics, right? There's always those things. They need to have a philosophy for how they lead and manage and coach people through performance. Because again, that that triggers the adversity piece, but that is usually happens because we don't have clearly defined performance practices and philosophies that we follow regularly. It's kind of like the way that I like to think about it is I help my clients decide ahead of time, like I said, and build that brain Mm -hmm. so that if I have a person on the team who's not performing, I don't have to go through all the emotional effort and, and gyrations and like find a way to feel okay with it. I just know, oh, no, no, no. I have a process and I created it and I'm going to follow it. It's already built. Right. And then the last piece is really getting really clear about who you are as a leader and what your voice, right. We talk about that a lot. Like, Mm -hmm. who are you? What is your voice and what is your presence? And, you know, can you claim it? Can you own it? I have guest experts who come onto my program and talk to my clients and it's, I love it because women who are at, you know, eight, eight figures, not all, but most, they really have found it and they're very unapologetic about Mm -hmm. it. And I Mm -hmm. love that. I love that they like, this is who I am. And whether it's, it doesn't matter what it is. And so as, as we think about this as coaches, we have to recognize that, that we help our clients with boundaries, but it's not just the understanding of boundary setting. Mm-hmm. It's where as a leader, do you have to develop that acumen? Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of intersects when you are in a leadership, you know, I worked with a guy years ago and he was the head of the organization I was working with. And he said, we're just in the energy exchange business. And so anywhere that a leader has to go through this exchange process, mm-hmm. they need a process. So and that's good. what establishes mm-hmm. the boundaries for them. Excellent. So those processes yeah. thought about in advance, take away from all of that energy drain, that feeling caught in the moment. And what am I going to do to respond to this? And oh, I'm all caught up in the emotions and the, the head games that can go on with that. No, we just sort of look at what's my standing standard operating procedure for this particular issue. I've already thought it through in a non-emotional way and it's going to give me guidance. It will, and it, but it will be awful at first. Right. It's not going to take <laughs> away the feelings that go along with that. No, they're not gone, but we at least just like, okay, we're going to do it. Right. Like I help my yeah. clients fire people all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. 
nobody wants to fire anyone. Especially no. an empath. Like, right. Right. And then we, then they have to get on a call with me afterward. We do the whole hangover, right? Mm-hmm. The guilt, vulnerability, I'm a horrible person hangover. And, but we do it again. Mm-hmm. And then we do it again. Mm-hmm. And then we do it again. And what it means is that now I fire people. I just fired someone last week, right? I don't love it. I hate it. I go through all of it. Like, oh, really? I'm so bummed for you. Like, I, I always yeah. want them to work <clears throat> out. But I know exactly what to do. And I follow my process. Okay, good. Yeah. And I'm willing to bet that's a real new concept for some of you listening, thinking, oh, having procedures can actually help me not avoid the emotion, but have a path to walk so that even though the emotions are happening, I know what the next step is and I know what the next step is and I will survive this. Yes, you will survive it. I know that that's true. No one ever died from an emotion. Right. It's just, you know, we can get better. And the more we can get better at realizing we can feel anything and we'll be okay. Mm-hmm. And that our feelings are are simply just insight into our minds. Mm-hmm. And if you are empathic, what you're doing is you might be picking up, you know, I was talking to my son about this, who's a huge empath. And he, a lot of this work I was introduced to by Elaine Aaron, she wrote a book called The Highly Sensitive Person. Mm-hmm. And so I started studying that with him because he, when he was in high school, he was having some really big problems with anxiety and he still does. And social anxiety is the biggest one. And I explained to him, I said, I want you to realize that what happens when you walk in a room of 25 other 18 year olds, right? First of all, 18 year olds, right? Like, mm-hmm. Who, nobody manages their emotions when they're 18, but you walk in and you immediately feel all of them. And so what I'm guessing is you're in this room now with 25 other people and you don't even know what is your emotion or theirs. And that is exhausting and scary, especially when you're young. Mm-hmm. And so it's just teaching him to recognize what's his and what's someone else's. Right. And then there's the, and then there's the sort of, emotion baby we make, which is their emotion, my emotion. And now there's what I think about the fact that I have an emotion for your emotion. Mm-hmm. And now that's in the room. And now that's in the room. It's like judgment. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I just want to help people recognize you get to feel everything you want to feel and you can still be crazy, successful, happy, find joy that we don't have to shut down who we are. We don't have to suppress who we are. We don't have to hide and we don't have to be miserable. There are ways and mechanisms to change this for yourself. So such good information. I appreciate you bringing that forward. I think it's a unique perspective that so many of us need to hear. You, You brought up the resource, the highly sensitive people. Any other resources for anybody who might be listening and thinking, wow, I'd never really looked at it through that lens, but she's talking about me. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, I, I would start with Elaine Aaron. And then if you don't like to read, because there are <laughs> I know there's some people who are like, oh, I don't want to read. Her book is, I mean, she's a psychiatrist. Well, I never could get that right. She's If she's smart. a PhD, she's a psychologist. She, if she's yeah. an MD, she's a psychiatrist. I, all I know is she's very smart. Okay. And, she's very she smart. She also made a movie called Sensitive and it's on oh. Amazon. So good. Um, And so it's, you know, so I think the, just to, just to go through this discovery, but here's what I can tell you. If Mm -hmm. you avoid holding people accountable, you feel guilty 
when you tell someone they're not doing a good job. You don't want to tell people, give them feedback because you'll make them feel bad or you'll disrupt the energy on the team. If you are overworking, if you feel guilty about asking people to help you, like we're getting close here, <laughs> y'all. Okay. We've got if some red call, flags going up here. Yeah, people, if pay you attention. call yourself a people pleaser or a control freak, because the, 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 the underbelly of empathicness is to try and control everything. I'm going to be doing this as a retreat, right? At the end of February, you and I talked about that. And it's mm-hmm. the analogy I have in my brain for empaths is a pencil. <laughs> and my copywriter put it on our, our landing page. And I'm like, okay, that's weird sounding, but I kind of like it. So a pencil has basically two sides, right? That's how I feel about empaths. The one side is the side with the lead. Mm-hmm. That's where you're writing the story and you're in control and you determine and dictate. So empaths can do that. And then the other side is the eraser where you don't even exist. You take yourself out. You do not consider yourself. You do not value yourself. You just lean into everybody else. And so I was, we were having this brainstorming and I'm like, that's what it's like. It's like a pencil. And then the middle is nothing, nothing happens. So what we want to do is recognize we have both of these Mm -hmm. assets or challenges, however we want to see it. I can always pull that lead out and I can always take care of myself and kind of get quiet, but I don't want to do it in a way that I'm hiding. So I just watch, I mean, I've, I've coached thousands of leaders and all of them have such angst over this leading and managing people part. And Mm -hmm. I just would love to leave the world a little bit less worried about that. Like we could do a better job and we can feel okay about it. And um, anyway. And here's some tools to, to play with, with that. So thank you for bringing your work forward and impacting each of us with things to think about, things to apply and things to help the people that we work with think about and apply. So good. Thanks so much. I wonder how much of that interview created new insights and awareness for you, and maybe even made you think of some clients that you've worked with or some people that you've known in your life. If you'd like to know more about Chris Slatchy or the books that she talked about and how to connect with her, go to starcoachshow.com slash 236. That's starcoachshow.com slash 236 to access the show notes and all the links for connecting with Chris. I hope that you come back next week. We've got a fabulous show. I am interviewing Chester Santos, who is the international man of memory. He's a former U.S. champion in memory competition. And we talk about the importance of having some tools around good memory that will help you build your business, that will help you create all sorts of different avenues of success. And he actually did a memory exercise with me during the interview, which I got to say, I was super nervous about at the beginning, worried I'd be embarrassed, but it actually was amazing. So I'm super excited for you to hear that interview. He gives a fabulous interview. So come back next week for that show. And please consider leaving a rate and review wherever you listen to the show. 
every positive rate and review we get draws more people to the Star Coach Show. And I desperately have this desire to have coaches find the show and benefit from the show. And I could use your help with that. So thank you so much. Until next week, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very, very best for your coaching success. We'll see you next week.